there's a new name for Toyota in Lanarkshire. From one of the UK's biggest names in motor retail. Macklin Motors Toyota is now open in Hamilton. We're bringing you everything Toyota backed by first-class service. So come and view the stunning new Toyota range, all with up to 10 years warranty. Including the Igo Cross and the new Yaris Cross compact SUV. See our great choice of approved used Toyotas. Our formidable range of commercial vehicles, including the Hilux. Get expert servicing from our manufacturer-trained technicians. And specialist advice from our Motability team. Macklin Motors Toyota is open now at Whistlebury Road, Hamilton. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com representing some of the biggest motoring manufacturers across Scotland. Let's go! Well, on the 80th birthday of one of the great Scots, Billy Conley, we've got one of Ireland's greats with us in the studio. Martin O'Neill joins us live here in the Gorbals in Glasgow and you can speak with Martin 0808 17 17 700 Mark Guidi is here and Mark you brought in a big surprise tonight Martin O'Neill Martin welcome back to Glasgow thank you very much indeed good evening great to see you here Mark on dates like these you wake up and think what we're going to talk about <laughs> but it's Martin O'Neill with a, a, his new book and Martin's thoughts on football what a time to come in who's going to be the new manager at Rangers Michael Beale it looks as though Rangers are closing in on the QPR boss yeah Michael Beale appears to be the, the favourite Paul I, I certainly know that he is a preferred choice of the players whether that has any influence at all over the Rangers board remains to be seen but he's a well respected figure at Rangers as we know he was at a Rangers game two or three weeks ago in the director's box uh, so therefore um, he's certainly in the frame and I think Rangers will make an announcement within the next four or five days Rangers figures senior figures were heading to London yesterday afternoon Presumably for some talks, but we don't know for sure. For Celtic fans, well, you know that Yuki Kobayashi has signed a five-year deal. The left-sided central defender will join Celtic officially in January. Martin, great to see you on the programme. You're, you. you're back here. When you come back to Glasgow, I know you always get a, a huge welcome, the Celtic fans and others. I remember you so fondly. Well, that's very nice of you to say so, but uh, I, you were just talking about um, the possibility of a new Rangers manager and um, I was really thinking just how, um, you know, you talk about sliding doors moments. Uh, for instance, you know, they're, they're uh, first of all, they're a save away in the last minute or two from winning the UEFA Cup. And uh, that would have been phenomenal news, not only for the football club, but obviously for the manager. And then suddenly, you know, when you can't get results early on in the season, you're put on immediate pressure. So I know all about that sort of pressure, yeah. having been here for a number of years. So it's... Uh, but. You mentioned it's 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 pretty fickle. Can we clarify something? Are you here in connection with the Rangers job, Martin O'Neill? <laughs> I I would doubt that very much. <laughs> Sliding doors moments. Who would be a football manager? But your book on days like these is about your life in football. And I guess Martin, there's not much you would change, is there? Well, playing you, and management. It's, it's interesting you should say that, Paul, because you know the way that people uh, get to certain age, whatever it is, and then say that, uh, oh, listen, I'd never change a thing. There's lots of things I would change. You know? <laughs> First of all, I would change the UEFA Cup final of 2003. Sure. You know, yep. I would, uh, in sliding doors moments, Baldy doesn't get sent off. We might, of score, we might score the winning goal. We might. With Mourinho, oh. did you always feel, because I know lots of Celtic fans who could never really take to him. I don't mean personally, but do you still feel Mourinho, the way he spun it out, the way he was with the referee, the influence that he I, had that day? It was amazing, really. I don't think I don't think anybody. He was a up and coming young manager at the time, probably not that well known. And then you know, fast forward twenty years now, suddenly he's one of the great managers of of the game. 
was was that was that apparent that particular day? I'm not so sure that it was. Uh, a lot of play acting by the the Porto players. I mean, to I, I think everybody would maybe want to waste a little bit of time towards the end of the yeah. game, but that got to disproportionate uh, uh, disproportionate effort, and uh, really, so that was that was really hard to take, particularly since it was a final as well too. But um, it's one of those things. It's gone, Paul, and can't do anything about yeah. it. Mark, everyone remembers that. And it's we've been the, the city of teams getting to the finals in Europe mm. when we think it's not going to happen again. But Rangers got there in, what, 2008? They got again this year. And as Martin says, they were so close to winning the, what was the UEFA Cup, the Europa League. And there's the manager's gone now. I haven't seen you since it happened. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised that Giovanni has gone? Uh, no, I'm not surprised, but I don't agree with the decision. Um, you know, I, I think Giovanni van Bronckhorst, you know, for part of the reason that Martin mentioned, you know, a, a European final, a penalty kick away, you know, Aaron Ramsey's penalty away from winning um, the tournament. They won the Scottish Cup, um, and he had he has to rebuild the squad. You know, it's not like I think he got the best of Stephen Gerrard. You know, it was it was a it was a, um, it was, you know, a Stephen Gerrard squad that inherited and got the best out of them and improved one or two of them. Calvin Bassey being a classic example. Yeah. You know, in six months he turned Calvin Bassey into a twenty million pound player. Um, so he lost three of the best players, two of them in the summer, and they didn't replace like light with light which is not a criticism of Rangers because you can't replace light with light unless you're buying another 20 million quid player and they lost a Rebo um, to, to Southampton um, and the players just haven't produced this season either ultimately the manager always carries a can which isn't right but let's not be mistaken the players need to take a long hard look at themselves and I would suspect over the next two windows between January and the summer um, you'll be lucky if there's five or six survivors from the, the, the current Rangers team Martin, if you, what do you I, feel about that? I, yeah. I think I'm absolutely agree with Mark. Uh, during my time up here, I didn't agree with him very often um, in his reporting, but uh, I, he's supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> but uh, yes, but I do agree entirely with that. And uh, you, you know, Ramsey scores the penalty. Who knows? Uh, but it's you know, it's a major competition, and it's on the uh, sideboard. And uh, Van Bronckhorst has, has not been there that long. He did win the Scottish Cup as well too. And Mark is absolutely right. He just hadn't, hasn't had time. He's lost some really fine players as well too. Hasn't really been able to replace them for one reason or another. And of course, he'll carry the can for some poor results. It's a big step up though, isn't it? It's one thing being the assistant, as Michael Beale was for Steven Gerrard. But if you're the number one, if he was asking you for advice, what would you say? Well, it's a good point, Paul. I, and I do think you're absolutely spot on. It's this, this moving up in, into the main position... So it's a wee bit like it's a wee bit like being you know obviously the assistant manager where the assistant manager can put the, his uh, his arms around a player who's just been left out of the team and said you know the manager really does like you you know everything yeah, will be all right and then finally or th- then suddenly when he does have to leave him out as a player that's a different different or, or sorry as a manager himself that's a different issue. The assistant manager generally more close to the players in many aspects, mm. but then they have to make that step up and then they have to. Uh, then they have to pull themselves aside again and then making difficult decisions, which is uh, a manager's job. Mark, he is very highly rated, yeah. isn't he? You know, um, he Michael Beale. He's an outstanding coach, yep. Paul. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, you speak to any players that, that have worked with him. I spoke to a couple of players that worked with him, even at Aston Villa during the spot, spot short spell there with Stephen Gerrard before he took over the QPR job. And they say he is an outstanding coach. He is very, very good. But as a manager, he's had 20-odd games. He made a very good early start at Queen's Park Rangers, got him atop the championship. That's why Wolves became interested. So he's got an excellent reputation. 
he knocked the wheels job but I don't think he's won a game since he knocked the wheels job back you know maybe four or five games uh, without a win but he knows Rangers he knows the city he knows the environment he knows the pressures but as Martin said it's it's a big big jump a hell of a jump to go from being a coach um, for five or six years um, to then being the manager who has to make those tough decisions and who is coming to potentially work in a sitting work for a football club where you lose three or four games um, you're potentially out of the job just ask Giovanni Van Bronckhorst Do you think that's why he said no to Wolves? Because that was only what three weeks ago? Well he said he wanted to be loyal he wanted to show a bit of loyalty to Queen's Park Rangers What so, three weeks? Yeah so, so is that loyalty still there if Rangers offer him the job? I suspect not I suspect if Rangers offer him the job um, he's going to go but whether it's Michael B or any other manager Paul they've got to, got to have assurances about the transfer budget and who is in control of the transfers is it Ross Wilson the director of football is it in conjunction with the head coach you, you need to clearly define the roles um, and therefore once you, the roles are clearly defined you know whether you want to take that job or not I've roughly got this amount to spend I've got the final say or I've not got the final say I'm just actually going to coach the players that the director of football gives me so that would need to be made clear in any conversations with any uh, future manager for, for Giovanni Van Bronckhorst's replacement Martin, in your time at Celtic, you transformed it. You arrived in 2000, winning the treble in your first year. Um, you had control of of the spending, whatever the spending was, and there were some great days uh, yeah. then because you were up against such a strong Rangers team. How important is that for the manager to come in and have control? Well, Dermot Desmond brought me into the football club. He was the major shareholder, still is. Uh, and uh, and he actually said to me, I want you to take ownership of the football club. I did, he didn't mean that I would just buy it you know, the, the, the following morning or something like this, which I was unable to do. But uh, ownership in the sense that, yes, I want you to take charge of the football club. Listen, I'll, I'll talk you through any sort of potential transfers. We'll, we'll, we'll decide this. We'll, we'll make decisions on certain things. But I want you to be in control. I want you to know that when players are coming into the football club, you've seen them. You're, you're, you are in command of that there. You decide whether these players come in. And you know what? That is a really great feeling, Paul, you know, that yeah. you feel as if you are absolutely in charge and that you feel that the players, not for one minute, that I ever feel that the players would usurp me or anything like that there and go, and go above that, but you just felt as if you were in total charge of the football club. And, uh, and when the players start to realise that, then, then you feel that you, you certainly feel in charge. And I think it's fair to say, Mark, that Brendan Rodgers had that control at Celtic. It's not just having the control, you can make an absolute mess of it. Mm. And so does Ange Postacoglu. But those in between who didn't have that control, let's say a Ronnie Dyla or a Neil Lennon the yeah. second time round, an yeah. amazing success for Celtic. And I think the fans will think that in time, many of them do. If you don't control the football aspect, look at Alec Ferguson at Man United. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt there's not a committee. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the most successful managers are the ones, as Martin said. You look at Martin's five years at Celtic, you look at Neil Lennon's second stint at the club and from what we're led to believe, you know, he couldn't even choose part of his own backroom team, which isn't right, you know, because ultimately, again, results don't go for you. You're the guy who carries the can and Neil carried the can in the COVID year when Rangers won uh, the league and, and, and stopped Celtic from doing 10 in a row. So for a manager, it must be really frustrating, particularly if you can't be in control of your own backroom team and then ultimately if there's other people um, majorly influencing who has been signed and who has been, been sold. Ultimately, if players have been sold for big money, that is out of the manager's hands. But in terms of players coming in, whatever money you're given in your budget, you want to determine, Martin, who, how you're going to spend that money. Absolutely. 
Bill has been on and he's asking uh, what you think, Mark, probably it would be unfair uh, for Martin. With uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhurst, I saw at the weekend that when Michael Beale was at the game, the Aberdeen game, what, four weeks ago, mm. that Gio was a bit surprised at that. Were you surprised that the former assistant manager came, guest of the club, yeah. when there was such pressure on mm -hmm. Giovanni to deliver that day, remember? Because yeah. on the back of the Liverpool game, mm. um, do you think there's something in that? Does it sound as though well, the deal's done, it's Michael Beale? I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I said a few days after that Paul that I didn't think uh, as a as a professional as a courtesy to a fellow manager that Michael Beale should have been at that game um, now whether he was invited or not whoever invited him I just think that he, he'd been, he, would, he would have been aware that Giovanni Van Bronckhorst was under pressure and I don't think that's a nice thing to do uh, to another manager they said he wanted to come and, and you know visit the club again get back to see a game well they could have come up with the Scottish Cup final four or five months earlier or come up for the Europe, the Europa League semi-final or, or, or whatever um, so I don't think that was right I don't think it was fair in Giovanni Van Bronckhurst whether Giovanni Van Bronckhurst knew he was there that day yeah. subsequently he's felt that you know that there's been something untoward um, who knows but to get back to the point about Van Bronckhurst I feel for him I think he deserved more time he certainly deserved at least one more transfer window but I think there's a five day spell Paul that you can take it back to that has ultimately cost him his job and that was losing 4-0 to Celtic at Parkhead in early September and four days later losing 4-0 in Amsterdam to Ajax in the opening Champions League game. They never recovered. The players and the manager and the supporters never recovered from that. Mark Guidi with Paul Cooney and Martin O'Neill, our special guest this evening. Uh, I thought we'd be talking World Cup and of course we will. We'll maybe get Martin's take on who he thinks is going to win it. But Martin, you're back in the, the goldfish bowl of Glasgow in the west of Scotland and great to hear you here. A lot of people coming on, John, uh, is on saying it's great to hear Martin back, that distinctive. Was he difficult to work uh, uh, alongside Mark? I'm looking at you when, uh, as a journalist. At the pressers? Yeah, at the pressers. No, I'll tell I, you one I, thing about Martin O'Neill. Obviously, I didn't know Martin before he arrived at Celtic in the summer of 2000 and, and as a, a journalist, I was working for Sunday Mail at the time for Radio Clyde that all that you that you hope to get is a, is a, is a bit of honesty yeah. and, and, and some good copy and there was a number of times that I would approach Martin quietly about, about one or two things and, and he never ever told me a lie you know he, listen he wouldn't always stand up things that I said but he never ever told me a lie never ever sent me uh, down the garden path in, in the wrong direction and he was great copy you know for a Sunday newspaper he was great copy and absolutely transformed Celtic if you look at what Martin inherited he absolutely transformed uh, that football club no, no it was an absolute pleasure to, to work with Oh, that's that's again very nice of Mark. Yeah. We got on better now than we ever did during that <laughs> time. So, uh, but um, yeah, I, I mean, it was it. Um, lots of times then, when I was uh, dealing with the journalists um, up in Scotland, I I, I had um, I had a Ian Jamieson who yep. was Ian helped me out Chris, enormously. Yep. Ian used to tap me onto the uh, onto the table and just say, "Hold on, I'll deal with this really tough question. Like, what's your name?" <laughs> and uh, so. <laughs> So yes, he said he is definitely Martin. He's yeah. definitely his first name is Martin. That's when I was absolutely tongue-tied. Yeah, of course. Then you were at Villa, and we can talk about that before Glasgow. Where does it rank in your footballing career? Your time? Can you get some, you know, European medals uh, of the big, the big cup, as it's called here? Oh, Celtic! But your oh, time at Celtic, uh, absolutely yeah. fantastic. Really fantastic. Uh, well, for instance, my my wife, who uh, honestly, I, I mean. She could ever go to heaven, and uh, she would find fault with it. Thought that Glasgow was just absolutely super. We loved it. She loved it. Uh, we got a house in the West End, 
not that I ever really courted trouble in any aspect. You know, we would be out eating by the time that if we were going out for an evening, we'd be out maybe at six o'clock and back in for seven thirty. So yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't exactly roaming the streets looking for a bit of bother. Well, was it only one course? Were you a wee bit mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no, no, this was a Glasgow meal. You know, you got it all at the one time. You know, so <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's a good point. Okay, so. That's make me think. So yes, yes. Yeah. you're right. I just oh. had the starter. I, I I had the main course at home. Yeah, <laughs> but people are so warm. I mean, you know, occasionally. I mean, it can be. It's such a welcoming city, Glasgow. It's a and great I think, city. It's a city yeah. of cultures. It's a city yeah. of football. It's fantastic. It really is. And um, and Celtic and Rangers is just a it's it's a phenomenal experience. It is the very first time that I, I in, in charge of a game where we actually won six two. Second time in charge of a game where we got absolutely hammered at Ibrox five one in November time. So so they 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 really put it to us that day. So that was when you find out plenty about yourself and plenty about your team. And our own Barry Ferguson, who, as you know, is on the show, and I've heard you banter with him. And he always, some Celtic fans will talk about the six-two, and he yeah. always comes back with the five-one as well. John Hartson is with us as well, not today, obviously. Mm. He's with Wales in Qatar, yeah. but the big man joins us every week. And when well, we get nice. the odd story, so John is on, and of uh, yeah, course, Bar yeah. Bar Barry got sent off in the last minute or two of that game, the six-two yeah. game, didn't he? That's you know, right. yeah. did you have yeah. to remind them of it? <laughs> oh, no. He, yeah. I have to say this, and I'm, I'm glad he's not here today, yeah. but he was a really good player. Wasn't really, he? Really, really good player. He was, I felt, and I may have said this before, but he was to Rangers when I felt that that um, that Neil Lennon was to Celtic in the sense, mm -hmm. you know, driving teams on all the time, you know, knowing exactly what these games were all about. And for one so young, mm -hmm. you know, for, yeah. for him to be captain of the team at so young, you know, you've got big Amarissu who's about seven foot ten, and looking down and saying, "Bye, what do we do?" You know, yeah, you know, things like this. Yeah, that's a slight exaggeration. It's a great point. He had the De Boers there, didn't he? Arthur Newman. I think you look so back at both, yeah. both teams from that that see, spell. Honestly, like proper, proper, absolutely. Michael Moles and yeah. people yeah. like this. Yeah, they're fantastic players. You know, they're one of the best goalkeepers in Europe at the time as well. Too, you know, Stephen so. Klaus. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. I think, I don't, unless I'm mistaken, but when you're manager Aston Villa. Was possibly the chance of getting Barry when he had the, the trouble at Rangers, I, I, and you would have taken him in a heartbeat. I, I would have, I would have taken him. I would have asked yeah. him to change religion, but um, I would have had, uh, <laughs> just joking. Yeah, just course, joking. He was a really, really good player. Really good player yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, Barry speaks very fondly about you know any engagement he had with you because he's such a great competitor. Yeah, it was. When you get closer to it, you know that there's great respect off the field but during the game you're really up against each other a Rangers fan is calling in we'll take that just after this short break Martin O'Neill joins us in this one hour special we're back in a moment The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com representing some of the biggest motoring manufacturers across Scotland Let's go, go. Go Radio Football Show, Paul Cooney, Mark Weedy, and we've got Martin O'Neill with us for one night only here on the programme. Portugal have gone one up, Mark. You saw Ronaldo there and he took the penalty well. Yeah, took the penalty kick uh, and got uh, Portugal uh, off to a flyer and uh, he'll be delighted with that with everything that's happened in the past couple of weeks. He'll just want to concentrate um, on the football and obviously it'll be interesting to see where he ends up next, uh, what his next club's going to be. We'll find out. We'll speak to Martin about that in a moment or two. But Stuart is on the line. 08, 08, 17, 17. 700. Hi Stuart, good evening. Hi guys, uh, how you doing? First yeah. of all, good evening. Good evening. Uh, Hi Stuart. I'm just watching that, uh, I've got it on mute while I'm talking to you, it's on the TV, Ronaldo, uh, 
does it again. Yep. Keep, <laughs> yeah. So keep well, us up to date. Keep us up to date. Yeah, if you yeah, score again, because well, the telly's gone in the studio. <laughs> I'm sure it. Yeah. Yes, I'm not imagining things. Yes. No, scored. no, he has scored. So yeah, yeah. you're you're so, through. You're through to Martin anyway, O'Neill and to Mark. What about your own yeah. beloved Rangers? Yeah, sorry, Paul. Uh, I'm getting a bit backtracked there. But <laughs> uh, listen, it looks like Michael Beale, doesn't it? Whether yes, if you believe what you read or believe what you hear, I'm not in the know. Uh, I'm only a fan that goes home away and everywhere, and I'd, I'd love to know what's going on. But it's it's probably good business that I don't know what's going on. Because you keep you keep your cars close to your chest as well, but see if it is Bill or any other manager, and I don't know who. I'm not going to speculate, but just say Bill. Yeah. I'd love him to bring Kevin Thompson in, mm-hmm. and the reason I say that, Paul, is because see, I've listened to him a lot. I've watched him. He's still young. His career, Kelty Hearts and things, right? But mm-hmm. see, when you listen to this kid. And uh, and I've 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 been to dinners where he's, he's spoken things. A clever, clever, clever boy. Yeah. And Martin, Martin will probably know the difference between a a gob, you know what, and somebody yeah. that just says something for for effect, or somebody that says something and knows what he's talking about. I think this, I think Kevin Thompson knows what he's talking about, and I think if Rangers bring him in right now. And maybe Lairns under Michael Beale. There's actually not that much of a difference in their age. Okay, Martin, would you have a view on that if it was? I, yeah, I, I, I genuinely don't know. And I, it's, it's an interesting one. All I do remember is that um, young Thompson and Brown both playing at yeah. Hibs at the time and that uh, that we would have been interested at that stage. I'm not saying that they would walk straight into the Celtic team, but as as one or two of our midfield players were just getting a little bit older, then it would have been fantastic. But I, it's interesting to, uh, uh, to talk about Kevin Thompson because, as I say, I don't know enough about his... Um, his um, what, what shall I say outside football career or in the sense of football and playing mm. but he was uh, he was a really exceptional player sure, let me put that point to Mark Guidi Mark he's but, an exceptional boy sorry Mark for yeah. interrupting there sorry Mark uh, he's an exceptional talker and I know that talking isn't the be all and end all I, I know that there's a lot of, but I think he's a very very clever boy and you know I think he's going to go places and I think the Rangers will be silly to to let him pass, Mark. Well, I mean, first of all, you know, uh, communication is is a big part of the job. You know, in, in any walk of life, and, and and in management and coaching, you know, clear lines of communication certainly go a long way to making your your football club uh, successful and having a good environment day to day to work in for the players um, and the staff. Uh, I believe there is a relationship with Kevin Thompson and and Michael Beale, which goes back to Kevin working in the youth department at Rangers. A couple of years ago, I don't know if there was anything in it, but there was certainly a lot of talk um, when Michael Beale got the QPR job in the summer that Kevin Thompson would become a part of his backroom staff. That obviously didn't materialise for whatever reason. Um, but I certainly think that, you know, one of the criticisms I would have of Giovanni Van Bronckhorst is that he didn't have someone um, Scottish on his backroom staff just with a, with a knowledge of the club. And I know Giovanni played for them, etc. But he was away for 20 years. Um, and he brought in his own own staff, Roy McKay, uh, Dave Voss. Uh, they were all good, but I think having somebody a wee bit more local would have been helpful to him, um, such as Barry Ferguson or, or whoever that, that that may have been. Um, you know, Stephen Gerrard had Michael Beale with him, 
but he also took in Gary McAllister as his right hand man and Gary yeah. was a Rangers supporter so had a knew about Scottish football knew about the football club expectations etc etc so I think that if Michael Beale or whoever it's going to be um, you know to give themselves the best possible chance of being successful I would have someone of the names that have been mentioned as part of the staff mm. Martin whoever it is they're up against a really strong Celtic side and would you agree that Rangers will need to refresh need some oh, new, new well, without question yeah. I, I think uh, anybody can see that that they just need they need refreshing you cannot lose the calibre of player that they did during the summertime not really replace at all and and they're still still trying to 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 battle out with Celtic Celtic are on a run at this minute I know the uh, the Champions League games were maybe uh, well, I, I think in terms of um, in terms of experience, I think it'll be it'll be excellent for Celtic. But domestically, they look so strong. Look as if can score some late goals as well too. Can win some matches, and sometimes psychologically, you know, when you're in the other side of the fence. And I know this from my time, you know, that I'm 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 cheering on Dundee United. I'm cheering on Hibs. I'm cheering on anybody against. And then the next thing I hear, the news coming through at Ibrox, just a late goal. And it just kills your spirit, <laughs> kills your spirit. So I know the feeling, and that's happening now. Celtic, have, uh, they've got themselves on a roll, and it's up to Rangers now to try and stop that. Stuart, thanks very much for calling Go Radio here. It's the football show, Paul Cooney, with Mark Guidi and Martin O'Neill, our special guest this evening. Stuart, thanks for that call. Let's Thank go you, to Clyde Bank. Cheers, Stuart. Michael's on the line. Hi, Michael. Hello, Michael. Good evening. Hello. Yep. Yeah, Michael, hi, you're on. You're right through to Martin O'Neill. Hi, how you doing, lads? Hello, um, Michael. Hi, uh, how you doing? Um, first thing, call. I'm by the show. A wee bit nervous here. Uh, no, great to hear yeah. you. Yeah, I'm just back from holiday. I'm a wee bit nervous as well because Mark Weedy was so good last week that I'm slightly panicking. So, <laughs> <laughs> and Martin O'Neill's in here. Can there's, you believe it? Yeah. There's, there's a couple. Of, there's a couple of jobs being lost in here tonight. <laughs> so don't worry at all about it, Michael. Seriously. I might lose my job soon. I'm actually running late, but uh, for Martin, um, I say phone up because. Okay. What's your question? Martin, I, um, uh, just, I actually have to take a bit of credit for getting you the job, Martin. Actually, we were, me and my dad were outside Celtic Park the night. John Barnes lost the underneath car official. Oh, uh, well, okay, uh, right. Uh, <laughs> and then you were the next, you were the next man to come along. Um, We've been waiting. We've been waiting for you, Martin, all these years. Martin, you, is that in oh. your book, Martin? And he was excellent <laughs> no. in your book on days like these. No, Michael, no. that's yeah. very that's very nice of you. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, it was just. Years. You've got a question, though, Michael, haven't you? I know you've got a question for him. Yeah, I've got a question. Over the years, Martin uh, Celtic, um, is there a player that you most regret missing out and signing? I, uh, yeah, I see. I, I'm. You know what? It's a good point, Michael. I'm. I'm sure there were there were one or two um, at, at different stages where you thought that you might be able to to uh, to improve the team. But there were, generally speaking, the ones that I would have looked fondly at were probably outside our price range at the time. You know, so I can't I can't really say that um, that there were there were many that were missed. Some, you know, when uh, in fairness, when. For instance, John Hartson coming to the football club. John Hartson had failed some uh, medicals at Rangers, and um, and I asked Dermot Desmond. I said, I th- I, th- I think that John would be great for us because you can't keep relying every single week on Chris Sutton and Henrik Larsson. If anything happens to them, we don't really have a proper replacement to keep us going. Not only at uh, at um, domestic level, but obviously in in, in the European front. And so and and we and we took the we took a chance with John. Uh, I because I felt that John had played about 20 league games in the trot for Coventry City before that. So I felt as if to say, well, you know, he, 
he, he should be able to cope. He should be able. It's not as if to say he's breaking down every every second game. And so from that viewpoint, it, it was it was good news. He obviously scored the goals and and proved his worth. But I can't really say, Michael, know that there was anybody that I felt that we really missed out on. Do you know what I'll do? I bet you'll come off the programme <laughs> and find out exactly. There's probably about seven. And then I'll have to call you up myself and tell you, oh, listen. Craig Bellamy, was that one that was close? Craig Bellamy. Craig Bellamy. Yeah, cool. Bellamy. Bellamy was. Uh, yeah, Bellamy came. Uh, he came to the to the football club. We took him on loan from Newcastle at the time. I think he was having the occasional argument with uh, with Graham Graham Sooners at the stage. So we took Bellamy, and Bellamy would have been fantastic for us if he had uh, if he had signed, kept uh, or maybe kept going. Perhaps he might have signed for us had had I been staying on at the football club. But uh, I left in in that uh, in that summer, so we never really got that opportunity to do so. You know. So, but Bellamy. For the for the period of time that he was with us, which was short, was was really excellent, Michael. Was there ever a chance you would have come back to Celtic a few years later? Because it was always speculated, would Martin Neil come back? Well, I think it's a good point, Paul. But again, uh, by the time that uh, my wife was recovering yeah. from illness, then Gordon's doing really well. So I know, and if I if I had left a message with Dermot Desmond, he would have told me to, yeah, of course, to clear off three out of four no. titles for Gordon. Because it's not I, often that somebody who succeeds, you know, a manager who won a treble for the first time since Jock Steen, yeah. it's tough to follow. Yeah. You're a hard act mm -hmm. to follow, but Gordon certainly did. Yeah. You can hear uh, the excitement, Mark, in, in Michael's voice there that Martin's on. Yeah, I, I remember uh, covering that um, protest outside Celtic Park that night when Celtic lost. Uh, Steady on John Barnes. Yeah. No, I listen, I, I, yeah. I like John Barnes, sure. I, I like um, Kenny Dalglish, yeah. but you know, um, that, that it was right to have Time a change. For change. Yeah, yeah, it was right. You know, it was only eight months, but it was right for change. And the, the change um, resulted in Martin coming into the club. And if you look at Celtic, uh, in this uh, century since the turn of the, the millennium it's been a, a highly successful 22 years I don't know the exact title count but Celtic must have won what 14, 15, 16 titles whatever we'll it may be during the break um, yeah. and Martin so, you were there yeah. covering it you can put it in perspective for maybe listeners who've forgotten or are a bit younger because somebody was on the phone a few weeks ago Martin and I said oh Barry Ferguson what a player and the guy said oh I'm only 16 I don't really remember much about Barry but remember in Glasgow you Dick Advocat and McLeish Rangers ah. had so many great players yeah. and Celtic it just wasn't happening for them no, no. Um, you know, Celtic stopped ten their own nineteen ninety eight, almost twenty five years ago. Um, and then there was a barren spell when Dick Advocate came in that summer, and um, you know, we brought in Gabby Amato, Andre Kincelskis, um, Giovanni Van Bronckhurst, um, uh, oh goodness, and 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 many more. Then inherited players like George Alberts um, and players uh, like that. Also brought, you know. As Martin said, he got he got a hold of Barry Ferguson and, and put him on the road to to being a superstar uh, for Rangers. So you know they were a a proper team, um, and Celtic had a I don't know I think was it twenty twenty one points Martin that Rangers mm. won the league by when you came in uh, that that summer. But it certainly felt for Celtic uh, like a, a major turning point in terms of confidence and belief in the dressing room and for the supporters that 6-2 game you know being 3-0 up after 15 minutes or something like that even though you lost 5-1 yeah. you know yeah, 2 or 3 think, months later but it was a major turning point from that time yeah, sure. but Mark has mentioned about 7 or 8 Rangers players they're obviously uh, legendary figures really at the football club 
Now when I think about it, I have a cold sweat, really, because uh, if I'd really considered that, I might just stay. I might have stayed in the Midlands and not bothered coming up <laughs> yep. because uh, they were very, very strong. But we listen, the, 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 the game that we won 6-2 uh, was a big turning point for us in many aspects. Not that I not that I realised it at the time, mm-hmm. but it gave us the confidence to go on. And even though we got well beaten in November time by uh, by Rangers at Ibrox, by that stage I think we had we we had enough confidence to be able to withstand that defeat and carry on. Michael, what's the what's your fondest memory during the Martin O'Neill years at Celtic? We just had the nail on the head the six two game. I actually remember walking up to Celtic Park with my my dad, my uncle, my cousin, uh, were just singing Celtic songs all the way right through the gallery. But we knew we were going to beat Rangers that day. We knew. Did you? I wish you, had... t- I wish you could have told me, Michael. <laughs> I, I, I must admit, you know, when we were 3-0 up after 11 minutes, and I know that all the, the, the Celtic crowd were really enjoying it, if the referee had blown for a final whistle, I would have been delighted on the 12th minute. <laughs> no, no, I wanted to all day, man. <laughs> Michael, great. Thanks, well, thanks very, much, very for much for your call, Michael. Really appreciate it. Loads of calls coming in here to the Go Radio Football Show with Macklin Motors. Cheers. Let's go on the line. Laurie is on from Deniston. Good evening, Laurie. How you doing? Yeah, you're on now, Laurie. Hi. Hi. Good evening, panel. Good evening. Uh, Martin, uh, if I can speak to you for a moment. As a lifelong Celtic supporter, Martin, I'd like to thank you for the many cherished and treasured memories you give me and my fellow Celtic supporters during your five-year tenure in charge at, at Paradise. Thank you so much. No, th- that's very kind of you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Uh, I'm also looking forward to meeting you in person, Martin. I, my good lady has kindly purchased a copy of your book, so I'm looking forward to meeting you in person oh. at Waterstones at the start of December. Oh, you, oh, uh, you oh, oh, please come down because you there might not be anybody else turn up. Oh. <laughs> so, please, Laurie, honestly, I I will make you a cup of tea. I think you underestimate your legacy, Martin. Honestly, well, it's really nice, it's genuinely nice. But please, and well, honestly, just let when when if you are coming, and and that would be lovely to well, see you. Well, we're there in person, Martin. It's going to be there. To, please, to please make yourself honestly, and yeah. I, and uh, there'll be tea waiting for you. Laurie, well, very very kind of you, Martin. I'll tell you the question that I have for you tonight. Okay. Uh, during the said five years, you were in charge at the Paradise. I I know that you were a manager I, for various clubs during your illustrious career, Leicester City, uh, where you won two League Cups, your success, of course, at Celtic, and your stints in charge at Sunderland and the Republic of Ireland. Mm-hmm. But during the time you were at, at, at Glasgow uh, managing Celtic, Martin, what I'm curious to know is, uh, in comparison to the other managerial posts that you held, uh, given that the West of Scotland is a cauldron uh, at worst and a goldfish bowl at best, uh, with all firmness concerned, how did you handle the pressure, Martin? I find I, I really, obviously, I'm I, as I'm growing up and growing up in in Northern Ireland, where you're either you know Catholic or Protestant, you're either Celtic or Rangers uh, in many aspects. I kind of uh, and obviously supporting the the side in 1967, the great Jock Steen and uh, Celtic's best ever team uh, of terrific days. So I, I I kind of got the feeling about the football club from from a from a fair distance away if you can call Northern Ireland and Glasgow a bit of a distance yeah. away and um, so I, I kind of really probably thought about it and, and thought about how big the club was do you know what the more I think about it the more the, the more 
uh, shall I say, the more surprised I was as to how big it was. And I found that out in the... Um, in the very first couple of weeks, I went to um, I went to a supporters club meeting one Saturday evening. We were playing on the Sunday, and it was in Perth, and um, and what it meant there was about 160 people at this at uh, this little uh, supporters club function, and uh, and what it meant to the people. And I know that that yes, you, I mean you're talking about 60,000 people coming to matches and then and, and you're trying to uh, you're trying to minimize it by saying 160 but if I if I said to you that night of the 160 people there there must have been about 140 season ticket holders and it was kind of I I I'm I was with John Roberts my assistant at the time and when we come out of it we thought wow you know listen this is really something this is this is people's lives and I think that was the first time and I think really that night if I could have got if I could have got that bus rather than <laughs> the bus back not back to the uh, to the where my team were staying but back down home again I would have gone because it's the first time I really thought about the pressure uh, of the club and so therefore you wanted to put heart and soul into it to make it successful obviously selfishly for yourself but really for 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 the fans um, themselves be simply because of what the fo- football club meant to them it was uh, it was a way of life and he achieved that for you Laurie? Absolutely. And just one remaining question for Martin, if uh, yeah. uh, I don't want to hog the, the, the cool. conversation by yeah. any means here. Uh, Martin, of all your uh, managerial assignments, uh, and I, this is going to sound as if I've been words into your mouth here, uh, would it be fair to say uh, that your most satisfying was the time that you were in charge of Celtic? I did, well, I, I actually enjoyed my time at most clubs. I didn't I didn't enjoy the short sojourn at at, at Sunderland, and I was uh, uh, given um, nineteen games down at uh, at Nottingham Forest, a club that I had been at, at for uh, for ten years. So if I if, if I take those apart, I really did enjoy it. But Celtic is. Celtic is really something else, Lloyd. Right? Something, some, something apart in many aspects. You're looking at Celtic and Rangers as football clubs who would honestly, if ever got an opportunity to be as part of a British uh, select, would absolutely dominate. Within, a, uh, within five or six years of being there, would absolutely dominate. And I have no, no question about that. And it's not something that I'm just saying for, for effect. They would do it. They would be, they would be absolutely massive. It's two, two monstrous clubs. And uh, and Celtic, of course, I, I, I'm really biased. I just happen to think Celtic's probably the best club in the world. I think Laurie agrees with you. That conversation will continue in a bookstore in Glasgow <laughs> Absolutely next week. Right. Cheers on. Cheers, Cheers Laurie. On. <laughs> the Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com representing some of the biggest motoring manufacturers across Scotland. Let's go! Go Radio Football Show with Macklin Motors, Paul Cooney, Mark Weedy, and tomorrow night we'll be here. Peter Grant will be joining us. And tonight it's the former Celtic, Aston Villa, Sunderland, Leicester City, and uh, Ireland, of course, manager. And uh, Northern Ireland was uh, the country you came from, the part of the country you came from, Martin, and so many people have been calling in. John Maguire's on saying you were the, such a successful Celtic manager and the only one to be worse at golf than him. Or, or something like that. <laughs> uh, no, Maguire's the worst player that's ever, ever, ever uh, held yeah. on to a golf club. Yeah, yeah. and He's remarkably, you yeah. might be listening, John, yeah. if you are listening. Also, remember, you can't count as well, too. You know, very, very, a lot of difficulty coming out of bunkers when we see sand going up. 
I like that advert that used to be on, you know, the old cigar advert. And then you come up and say, well, that was only 12 when we know that it was actually 33. <laughs> Thanks, John, for the call. Mark, you've got some news from the World Cup. Uh, Ghana equalised, but Portugal back on top. Yeah, Portugal 3-1, two quick goals um, after that. So Cristiano Ronaldo, who opened the scoring from the penalty spot, has looks as though he's going to get Portugal um, off to a flyer. Um, and of course, we're, we're all looking forward to, to watching Brazil um, kick off their campaign tonight too. It's now 3-2. Ghana have pulled one back. This is the, you know, Ghana got to the quarterfinals, remember, in 2010 and they just missed out That's right. on That's... getting to, I'd forgotten about it yeah, today, absolutely. but I was doing my homework uh, listening to something else on the way in <laughs> alongside Gina. But yeah, they did. So yeah. you can never tell, Martin, can you, at a World Cup. Who... And, they, and they've got some decent players yeah, as they well. Have. Too. Yeah, yeah, Kudus, Thomas Partey playing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Who do you fancy for, and, and who would be your wild card if, if you'd have one? Oh, if, yeah. well, honestly, I've... Um, I really do want to get into it at some stage or another. Mm -hmm. I haven't yeah. been able to get my head around it at the moment. You're kind of uh, busy. Yeah. Would not so, really not so much that there. Even if I wasn't doing anything, yes, I just I find it I find it obviously strange. Forget about the political reasons for it all. But I'm really talking about about when it's been played. Couple, you know, a, a month or so before Christmas. Yeah. And I've known this for obviously for quite some considerable time. Still can't get my head around it. The more games that I get to try and see, then I'm sure that I, I will get into it. But I, you would end up with the usual suspects, you know. You feel as if that uh, Brazil. I, I mean, if you if you said to me four days ago, I would have probably said, well, you know, Argentina because yeah. I love Messi, and then the next thing they they go and spoil it. But you know, it is. Um, I would say that uh, yeah, Brazil have a chance. England, I believe, can actually score goals. Yeah. Whether yeah. they are actually capable of holding out at the other end, I do, I don't know about that. I, and what I'm trying to say in short is I haven't got a clue <laughs> thank you for that that was <laughs> it's an honest answer you did say Mark that he always gives an honest answer yeah. <laughs> yeah. we'll get we'll get there uh, and then yeah. I think it's yeah. another interesting part of uh, Martin's book is the story behind yep. Northern Ireland's World Cup campaign in 1982 which is some fascinating stuff with the late Billy Bingham squad Martin being captain I remember uh, Jerry yeah. Armstrong scoring the goal to beat Spain and then you know the, the Martin scoring against uh, was it France oh Martin, gosh so. yeah. I have to say Paul where was yeah. VAR when you needed it <laughs> 19, 1982 and we're playing in the quarter final against France we have to win the game I admit and France have some super super players playing for them you know, Jures, Tigana, Platini Rushto all really great players but the one thing about Northern Ireland is that we could if we could get in front we we were very stubborn and we could hold on to a leader and uh, so about half an hour into the game um, I play a 1-2 with Jerry Armstrong yeah. remarkably Jerry plays it back he generally didn't <laughs> yeah. you know and uh, and I'm a yard and a half onside I flash it into the net we're leading 1-0 I'm halfway round Madrid celebrating yeah. the goal <laughs> when uh, the linesman's put the flag up a minute and a half later, so from us being, should have been 1-0 up and going in towards half-time in the game, and a little boy called Gires scores for them and then we started to chase the game in the second half and, and they, they, they pick us off. So they've won the game, but we were, uh, you know, we were a disallowed goal and, and I'm a yard and a half wow. onside. Mm. So... Not referees Martin we've got enough time to talk about refereeing decisions over the years <laughs> but it's true of course we were there I was lucky enough to be covering the World Cup with Scotland so we were back we were oh, back before the, before the postcards yeah we were back <laughs> yeah. of course we were well, you were in a difficult group you're yeah it was yeah. really tough Absolutely. of course yeah, yes. not least Brazil yes. as well um, mm. but we should have we should have done better and of course the late great Jock Steen 
was the manager Absolutely. of Scotland. And of course, yeah. my, my great old friend John Robertson was uh, a player Robert for Scotland was there. at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Scored in that World Cup, John, didn't he? Against he New Zealand. He did against New Zealand, yeah. And it's such a pity, Mark, that we're not there, that Scotland's yeah. not there. We need to ask you, Martin, um, about the job being manager at Celtic. Uh, and for because the headlines if you're just tuning in Michael Beale is the favourite to go in as Rangers manager we believe talks are going on at the moment but it's not yet confirmed um, and also we're hearing that Ridvan Yilmaz is homesick Mark that would surprise me if Yilmaz who made a good start we didn't see much of him for yeah. the first few weeks but he played well until his injury yeah I mean I, I think you know Yilmaz looks to to have all the the ingredients to be a really good left back uh, for Rangers, you know, an attacking fullback, the, the style that Rangers uh, want to play. He delivers a good ball into the box. His, his fitness hasn't been great for, for different reasons. And also think as well, but you know, you would see him as being a natural successor to, to Borna Barisic. I think Barisic is 30 now, maybe into the last year of his deal. So, um, you know, Yilmaz might be homesick, but I think that'd be one for the new manager to sit him down and try and persuade him to stay and be a part of it. Martin. Ange Postacoglu, when he arrived 18 months ago, we here in Glasgow, not many people knew much about him, yeah. but the Celtic fans have really taken them to their heart. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Brendan Rodgers did brilliantly, but many people said when he left, he who must not be mentioned. I'm sure in time, they will look back on what he did as well. Yeah. But how do you feel about the job? What would you say about Ange Postacoglu? Uh, yeah, like everyone else, I, was, um, I didn't really know that much about him. Um, he comes in to the football club and starts to sign some players of which very few had heard about as well too and then what you don't want is to get off to a poor start so you know all of those things seemingly working against you this is where I've got the utmost regard for him he, fo he fought that off he fought it off one way or another he had in his mind that he could, he could change things he could make these players these players unknown players really decent players play for Celtic play in the manner in which they do do and uh, and it's and it's been terrific for them. Really, domestically, they've been very very strong, which is great. I think the I think the Champions League games. Uh, I would say this anyway, but I mean this here, and I don't want to be an apologist for them. But I felt that there were moments in certain games, even the very first match against Real Madrid, they score first in that game. This idea that Real Madrid were always in control, I don't buy that at all. However. There were moments in each one of those matches that they played in, had that had that happened, and we know we've talked about the sliding doors moments. But I do believe that this those experiences, if you know, if you're talking about keeping the 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 nucleus of that side, maybe adding, as you've just mentioned, a player coming in now in in January, adding to that, those experiences of last season, if they go and win the league and go automatically again into the Champions League, I think it'll stand them in really good stead. And he seems to have a real affinity with the club. We know that in time, I would imagine a huge English club or maybe somewhere abroad, maybe Spain mm -hmm. would come. But I heard you saying that earlier on, the lure of Rangers or Celtic is such massive clubs. It is. I do, I, I, again, I don't want to sound rather no. sycophantic to any, any, any Celtic fan maybe listening, but it was an absolute privilege to manage them. And, you know, and, and to actually do okay with the football club is, 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 is important. Of course it's important, but really an absolute privilege. As I said to my, my father growing up, said to me once, uh, he said, son, have you ever get a chance to play for Celtic? Yeah. He wasn't interested in the managing side. You know, Jock Steen was doing that pretty well for, for everyone. But he said, if you ever get a chance to play for them, uh, he said, you should take it. Well, the time that Celtic sent over a couple of scouts to watch me play, I played hopelessly, hopelessly in the match. So that, that didn't materialise anyway. 
uh, you played well enough for Brian Clough oh, a, a, another yeah. great of course at your time there uh, Mark the, the Martin O'Neill years that he kind of brushed over there were, were special ones at Celtic yeah I mean the, the, the history tells you Paul you only need to look back it absolutely transformed the football club of that there is no doubt um, signed some fantastic players you know Chris Sutton John Hartson Neil Lennon Alan Thompson Bobo Baldy Didi Agat we could go on and on and on but on top of that some of the players they inherited that weren't doing well turned them into proper football players. Stylian Petrov is a classic example. Johan Mialbi inherited him as a midfielder, turned him into a proper centre-half. Get more time out of Tom Boyd. Jackie McNamara as well kicked on. So you know, when you think of those aspects um, too, then it was a, a wonderful manager for Celtic. The book is out on days like these and what a great Christmas present that would be. We're, we're delighted you've joined us tonight. Can you believe, Martin, that's the hour has come and gone it's been I, really quick I really yeah. can't believe it Paul. really thank you very much for asking me on yeah, it's great to see you and hear you and you're off to Stornoway tomorrow a, a Stornoway well. tomorrow yes yes yeah. Stornoway tomorrow evening so that uh, I've never been up that direction so I'm yeah. really looking forward to it you know not so much the flight on the way up you know, ah, but, <laughs> uh, particularly if it's only a three or four seater you know I kind of get a bit scared myself you who's going to win who's going to win the World Cup who do you think give us a name go on what which well, wouldn't I really really surprise you if yeah. I turned around and said Brazil, Brazil. My, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet you were monstrously surprised, surprised at that and your best moment in Europe with Celtic would it be the win Barcelona I, I do know um, no I, in, best moment in Europe in, in Europe with them uh, obviously the night that we beat uh, Liverpool at Anfield because you know uh, again, Scottish football was on the line. Mm -hmm. People always talking about Scottish football, not comparing comparing it yeah. unfavourably uh, with uh, with the English game at the time. Liverpool were very strong, so that night at Anfield was particularly special. I must admit. Um, and as I said to you, if you could yeah. turn the clock back, you know, sure. uh, uh, we win three two and don't lose three <laughs> two against Porto, and uh, we're all coming home from Seville happy. Yeah. Well, that night with Liverpool's mentioned often, not least with John Hartson when he's on the programme, and Alan Thompson, of course, scoring that night as well. Martin's been brilliant. Mm. Enjoy Watterson's next week. Uh, many of us, Laurie, will be there. Mark, we'll see you soon as well tomorrow night. It's going to be Peter Grant at five. Thanks so much. Thank you. The news is coming next, and then Joe Day. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com, representing some of the biggest motoring manufacturers across Scotland. Let's go! There's a new name for Toyota in Lanarkshire. From one of the UK's biggest names in motor retail. Macklin Motors Toyota is now open in Hamilton. We're bringing you everything Toyota backed by first class service. So come and view the stunning new Toyota range, all with up to 10 years warranty. Including the Igo Cross and the new Yaris Cross compact SUV. See our great choice of approved used Toyotas. Our formidable range of commercial vehicles, including the Hilux. Get expert servicing from our manufacturer trained technicians. And specialist advice from our Motability team. Macklin Motors Toyota is open now at Whistlebury Road, Hamilton.